It's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 73, recorded Thursday, March 24th, 2016. Clint, Michael, Hal, we're back on Splunk Talk. Who knows what we're going to talk about this week. Something tells me it won't be Docker. Let's do this. I gotta have more cowbell. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever it is you are. You are joined by the fantastic threesome. We're having a threesome today. Is that our name now? I don't know. (laughs) Can can we vote on this? The fantastic threesome. Uh, Michael Wild, Splunk Ninja Guy. Worked for Splunk. A uh, bit too long. We might have to uh, make a change. Anyways, we also have Hal. Hal Rotenberg. That's Monk, me. Rottenberg. I'm, you know this I did going to be an awful, be an awful, awful show. Guys, Hal I'm so sorry. It's Hal Rotenberg, senior junior underling. Say hi, Hal. Hello, Hal. And former customer. Now, world... Level rock star, Clint. Not so dull, sharp. You were the first person to ever say that. Dude, that was pun. I (laughs) thought I'd let you know. (laughs) Awesome. We're back here for Splunk Talk. Um, So in the very organized and smooth running show prep that we had earlier, that some of you might have been listening to, we, uh, I asked Clint, I said, did, have we podcasted since we went on Twit? And he said, no, no, we did not. What is Twit? This week at uh, Enterprise Tech. Yeah, Who is Robot voice? Uh, that's you. That's you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. All on you. Oh, uh, you too. So, hmm. That's Google. Nothing. It's Google. Yeah, it is Google. So what we were saying about Twyet. Yeah. Um, Michael, who, who are these folks that, that, that you know um, from, from the Wayback Machine? In episode 72, we talked about um, Robert Balliser. That's awesome. This sounds great. Robert Balliser, a.k.a. Padre. And Brian Chi. And Curtis Franklin, but he wasn't on. And I, I know they're from Interop, and they are doing their thing at uh, the Twit Podcasting Studio. And he has a show called This Week in Enterprise Tech. And we went on. It was cool. Clint was in studio. Hal and I were on the internet, or the cloud, as you often know it. We're in the cloud. Yes, over over Skype. It was actually kind of epic. I mean, it was like a like a five person um, thing. There was a you know we had a bunch of windows going. Um, now this is uh, Twyet is a is is in the Twit network and Twit of course uh, Neil Laporte's business. He's been doing podcasts. He, he's like you know one of the fathers of podcasting and you kind of built right. an industry around it. Um, so it was quite cool to be pulled into uh, you know, as a guest there. Um, Clint, what was the uh, the studio like and, and your experience over there? So, I mean, it it's a, it's pretty epic, to be honest. I mean, like the uh, it's full on studio, right? So, I mean, like you've got 
multiple places where they can record a podcast at any given time. They've got sort of, we were, in, we were not in the main area. We were in the uh, sort of secondary area and Leo was about to record another one right as we were leaving. So we had to kind of wrap up, but uh, you know, they've, they've got all their, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be that expensive probably to put it together. They had, you know, eight channel mixers and they had video cameras that were always set up and pointed at you. So you could just sit down Um it was nice. It would be a lot better to be the main person because the the one thing you'll note when you if you watch the the video is that I can't ever figure out where to look. I'm always looking over here or over there because the you guys were on a screen to my 45 degree angle and my oh, camera okay. was straight in front of me. And so I'm constantly, you know, like looking at you guys and not looking at the camera. So that was uh uh, but, uh, but Padre had his like straight on. So like when, you know, the IRC and everything else was coming up, like it was, it was easy, but it, it was a really, really cool venue. Uh, definitely would like to go back sometime. So, um, for people that uh, haven't listened to it, go check out quiet. Um, do we know the episode number? Um, it's just Splunk. Splunk, uh, you know. I'll find it anyway. So that was fun. And, uh, 180, 180 looks like the, the episode number. Yeah. So go check out, uh, this week in enterprise tech episode number 180. And Clint gave a demo as well, which was cool. I thought that was a pretty, I, I was, I was pretty happy because I went back and watched it. You know, the, I thought it was a really good, you know, like yeah, seven minute demo, right. You know, all the way from core, all the way up through ITSI. I thought, I thought it went pretty well. Yeah, it was really smooth. Everything worked, and you showed awesome stuff about uh, Splunk and ITSI. So that's awesome. Yes, it is awesome. So, uh, what do we have to talk about today? We we built some of a, somewhat of an agenda. Well, you so, have a new job. Oh yeah, I do have a new job. Uh, let's see. So, been at Splunk four years. First three years or so were uh, solution architecture in business development. And then I moved over to the CTO office, and I did developer evangelism. And now I'm moving over to, um, I guess you could say the field, um, on the pre-sales side, specializing in two things. Um, ITOA, so I'm on the part of the team that builds some of our products that are not security-related. So we kind of align things into some, some different markets uh, segments. So ITOA is IT Operations Analytics. And uh, on the team of these ITOA practitioners, I am uh, looking at DevOps use cases. Uh, so I'm going to be um, kind of uh, helping to, to gather input from our customers and uh, helping them solve some interesting problems that uh, you know, Splunk has only just started to look at. Uh, so it's going to be interesting and uh, a lot of, lot of more hands-on time uh, with some of our, our products that I haven't had a chance to do that with, like uh, IT service intelligence. As well as looking forward uh, into you know new things that we'll be building coming forward. So, I'm, are you I'm still excited. are you doing hackathons at all? We do need to discuss that, don't we? Yeah, hackathons. Yeah. If a customer, if, if you as a customer have developers in house or just a bunch of people that with, with that want to do creative out of the box mm-hmm. things with Splunk, like with their APIs and SDKs and stuff, then yes talk to us because we, we do sometimes have the resources. It's not like a guarantee thing, but we have the resources sometimes to support some of these things. Um, I did one of these for uh, one of our bank customers and uh, it, we had like a monthly time or whatever. And we got a room and 
got a bunch of people together. I think we had like 75 people show up, um, wow. split them into teams. It was a dozen teams. And uh, then they, you know, they had a period of time. This was a one day, actually it was more like a half day event. So they had like four hours to then uh, come up with an idea and build it using the data. So they brought the data. So they, they could either bring whatever it is they had access to, or they could use their own production Splunk instances if, if they wanted to. It really, really didn't matter. Um, but the point was they were going to build something with their resources and myself and uh, the other technical team uh, supported them. So it's basically get, getting you outside of your, your daily grind, giving you some time set aside to, to do something you know, creative with Splunk. And uh, yeah, those are fun. Those are, those are hackathons. And uh, I do do those sometimes. Um, uh, why would you do a hackathon? Why would a customer do a hackathon? What, what kind of, if what you, would be a good if you have, so some, sometimes you have, um, well, if you've got a lot of data in Splunk and you know, it's valuable, but you haven't explored the value. So maybe you've got a set of people who are using it for some, uh, you know, keeping the lights on kind of scenario. And, um, you've got some security folks that are, you know, keeping the baddies out. But you're, let, you're thinking, okay, I've got you know some interesting. This is a bank, right? So they've got some interesting information about the business. They've got some, um, for example, their mobile application had some data in there, and they're like, what can we do with this stuff that we're not doing today? So that's what this was about: was um, giving some um, you know some engineers. Uh, and I say usually you think hackathon, you're thinking de- software developers, software right, engineer. writing code and producing yeah. a little thing. Right. This this was a mix. Uh, it was open to anybody, but it was about three quarters um, who I would call IT operations folks and one quarter developers. So um, whoever came, they they used you know the skills and the data that they had to build something with Splunk. Some folks just did you know dashboard you know dashboarding and, and searches. Some folks did some you know really um, I'm trying to think of the I forget the name of the tool, but some, some folks did some real, uh, like stream analytics before Splunk, and then they brought in Splunk and you know, doing some crazy stuff on the uh, API side. So it just varied. Yeah, I did. Uh, Not sure about um, the, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't there. know what the deal is. It's probably uh, the NSA. I did one I see, with... I see, foot, I see a foot in the background, Wild, with, with a that's yellow a, shoe. That's a pony. That's a no, 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 other side, other side. I think, I think it was a small human. Oh, well, that's not the reason for the robot. <laughs> yeah, they're small. It, my kids don't go to public school, so they had two weeks of spring break. So they go to uh, Austin Waldorf. By oh, that's okay. Uh, next, I don't know if we end up doing. Uh, uh, my daughter will be with me in the office next week because it is spring break. So. Oh, nice. For, well, for, like, for at least one day, because my wife's like, I don't want her every day. You have to take her one day. <laughs> so do a hackathon and have her hack on stuff. I still, I still actually, I have a, uh, I had her draw me a microservices architecture the last time she was in the office, which I still have on my desk. Yeah, of um, course. Right. And uh, she doesn't really know what it was, but I'm like, it's it's a bunch of small things. And she, she basically drew me the same diagram everybody draws, which is a bunch of little boxes in a grid. And I'm like, there you go. Microservices architecture. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic yeah i'm keeping it with so how so how you're doing devops now and mm-hmm. you're, you're, our dev, you're our you're our devops representative on the itoa practitioner thing so i do want to highlight that we have sponsored and i just pasted it into the swamp talk room the uh puppets annual devops survey which is kind oh. of a big thing 
in the DevOps space. It so, is. It very much is. And so we are sponsoring that. It's the first year that they've allowed uh, sponsors. And uh, we're sponsoring it. So I pasted a link to take the survey. So uh, we should put it in the show notes as well once we publish it. But I would love for everyone to take the survey because they're trying to find out, you know, what is DevOps adoption like? Are, you know, are people... Are people rolling out DevOps practices and like is is are they just paying and lip service? What is are a they DevOps? Doing things? What is, what is a, a DevOps? DevOps? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wonder. I, I was kind of. <laughs> I wonder how many people know, right? But um, uh, it is a bit ambiguous, but mostly about the culture, right? I'm interested in people who are, you know, are are, are people actually starting to merge those organizations? We don't even always eat in our own dog food. I mean, we're we're. Uh, you know, I would say we've we've still got some separation between Dev and Ops inside of Splunk as well. And we're working to fix some of that stuff. Yeah, it's Matt says it's hot right now. It is so hot. It's like yeah, it's like Hansel. Uh, good Lord. No, I did. I did a fun hackathon with Verizon Business um, a few months ago that Hal was involved in, yeah, and. It was cool. You know, the other thing why you might want to do a hackathon if you're a Splunk customer is it's a good time to get like real work done. You know, um, if you can get your management to let you guys hold one and take the time away from your real job, you might be able to get some Splunk done you wanted to, to do or work on a data set that you've been you know, wanting to go after for a while and uh, Verizon did a whole bunch of cool things and uh, it was fun except for we supported people in three continents and that was great. That was awkward. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was fine. It was novel actually. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the skills in the, in the format of the event uh, required someone else in the room, you know, uh, in this case uh, to you know really support that one. But, um, yeah, but it, it was cool. It they got a ton of people. Like it worked. Oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It was just different. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to uh, address um, a particular comment. Uh, yeah, so as Brandon says, I DevOps my fabric all day in the cloud. So I just wanted to say that. Was, <laughs> oh, what, what did Rachel say? <laughs> she, wants, she, wants, she wants a dress made out of data fabric. I, I do too. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell that one to our new CEO. I think he's going to like that. Feel like I'm gonna get I, because I want a suit now. I want a suit made out of data fabric. Yeah, you can put it on Etsy. Like someone will build it for you. You know. Oh, uh, what did my wife used to say? Uh, I probably can't say that on the podcast. So I wanted to mention something before we forgot because Rachel's in the room listening right now. So we got to do this uh, right. Splunk Trust um, is the the most valuable professional program for Splunk. Some of you listeners may be familiar with the concept. What we have is a program. It's called virtual.conf, and the March session is coming up very soon on the 31st. Is that right? Yeah, we'll put uh, put a link. We wanted to make let you know that we do these re recurring meetings where um, usually it's, it's a member of uh, the Trust crew. They will come on and do a presentation. Um, sometimes they're reprising a, um, a talk that they did at a, at a .conf or at a, at a user group. Sometimes it's uh, original content. Um, but it's always going to be uh, from, from an expert uh, with lots of good stuff to, to, uh, to share and a uh, highly technical, uh, demo-focused. Uh, you know, so it's not like this. This is a talk show. We don't talk about anything important. Uh, SplunkTrustVirtual.conf, that's, that's the good, the good uh, technical nitty-gritty detail. So I'm done with my commercial. Do it. Awesome. The Splunk Trust is awesome.
Yes, they are. Splunk Each trust. Year. Be smart. Get a fez. That's how that works. <laughs> Is that the, the okay? <laughs> so, um, did did you want to uh, talk about the uh, the timestamp uh, extraction stuff here? We've got a few things in the the show notes. Who would yeah, that so. So let me. Let, so I had an interesting thing happen to me yesterday, whereby which I was in the IRC channel, and I was in the professional services uh, hip chat, and I literally had the exact same question come to me from two different people at exactly the same time. And the question was: uh, one person was uh, replacing an arc site. Uh, install, and they were just getting a feed of syslog from a bunch of stuff. And another person had a slightly different problem where he was getting a feed of JSON that had the timestamp in a couple of different fields. And so they were wondering, like, how do I, if I have this feed that has the timestamp in a couple of different ways, like, how do I go about extracting timestamp? Because the, you know, if I can't separate them into multiple source types, you know, what do I do? Um, and there's a little known facility inside of Splunk for doing this called DateTime XML. And I'm sorry, you'll hate it once you open it, uh, but it's really not that hard. Uh, and you can build a, a custom DateTime XML. Uh, yes, you can do lookaheads as well uh, if you really want to do some regex foo. Uh, uh, I should actually copy and paste the email that Satoshi sent last night to the to the SE list because like that his his freaking uh, uh, conditional uh, regex stuff was was pretty epic as well. Um, so there there are other ways, but actually the other problem with timestamps is timestamps don't use a regex. So you can set a prefix, you can set a format, uh, but you cannot set a regex extraction. As far as I am aware, you have to if you want to do regexes, you have to go to DateTime XML to do that. Right, right, and that's a fun uh, file to uh, play with. So if I can mention briefly that um, it's in, as far as it, when it comes to improving the performance of Splunk, um, uh, one of the best ways to do that is to ensure that you are um, getting your timestamp right and as precisely as possible for all your data sources. So this would kind of contribute to that, all right? Well, indexing performance. So, so yeah, indexing performance specifically. I'm sorry. We should, we, yeah, we should we should be we should be clear. Indexing performance is usually about twenty percent ish of the workload of a given box, right? 80-20 rule, right? 80% uh, search workload. Uh, so there's a couple of key factors in indexing performance. There's timestamp extraction, uh, of which there's a couple of uh, places you can fix that. So set a time prefix, always set a time prefix. Uh, always uh, set a max timestamp look ahead. Uh, that's very, very helpful. Uh, should line merge equals false, generally a good idea. Uh, and there's one other parameter that I'm missing. Somebody's probably going to tell me. Um, do, 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 do. What am I well, missing? And, so maybe, and line breaking. What else am I missing, guys? There's one other. Um, it could be index extractions, depending on what it is, right? Well, don't do in, index. So index extractions is one of the most dangerous things that. So I actually had this come from from Splunk employees when I was in Shanghai last week, mm. wondering why with index extractions their index turned out to be so large. Um, and uh, they were doing index extractions on uh, blue coat proxy data, which was coming like in CSV or something. And uh, well, yes, you'll get very double. good query performance, but yeah, it'll be double the size at least. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a trade-off. You're, you're saying I want to, index extractions are, are basically trading your disk space for the time of, uh, uh, you know, you create an index for all of those uh, fields. 
and feel valued. Right. Well, the, so the other, so I did actually put it, I put it in a feature request yesterday uh, based oh. off of this IRC conversation. Um, we may never do it, but uh, I actually asked for us to be able to specify a timestamp field without, um, if you have KV mode JSON, uh, I'd like to be able to specify a timestamp field using search time extractions rather than being forced to use index. And so it would push it back to index time. So like we would just do one index time extraction, but not store it in the, not store the index extractions. Um, right. I think that would be very convenient. Mm -hmm. That would be very cool. Yeah, that would be good. I, you so, know, it's a challenge when you get it wrong though, because you, you know, you're in this uh, issue of, do I clean? Do I restart? How do I deal with it? And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so, so we, we had some ideas for that a while back. I, I really, and we may end up doing some of them. I, I would really like to have a, a baked in concept of, of uh, a play index or a test index, you know, where, where data goes and you can validate and then, uh, you know, fix it before without having to clean something else or manually do it all yourself. Yeah, or why not just uh, send everything in the index back through the um, indexing pipeline and just do it over? Like, you know, if it's wrong, then, you know, just send it through and have it re-indexed in another index. I mean, you know, how do you get the data out? I don't know. Nobody knows. You know, but... Um, Speaking of JSON, though, there's another cool thing that I found right. this week while I was working on some other stuff. And what was that? It's called JQ. Oh, wow. Welcome to 2014. Really? I had no idea the six. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't Actually, know this 13. Yeah. What? Yeah. Great. Oh, so there we go. Yeah, JQ is pretty awesome. So you can go to uh, jqplay.org is a nice web UI for it. Um, and it's a command line tool for uh, giving you sort of XPath-like query capabilities for JSON. Um, and so I was building a couple of little shell scripts uh, where this turned in uh, really handy. I mean, the simplest use case is just pipe JQ and it'll pretty print your JSON, which is nice, right? Um, but uh, I had another case where uh, I'm working on, hey, I'm gonna talk about Docker, working on some Docker stuff. Uh, and I was I was querying uh, console, which is a key value store discovery thing, uh, and it, it gives me back a list of JSON, and I wanted to get all the nodes that were part of a service as part of a shell script, and so I curl pipe JQ with a little query, and it prints me out, uh, gives me a list that I can then use inside of my shell script. It's pretty nifty. Yeah. yeah, that dude who wrote that should get an award. And let's actually, Hal, let's get an award made. Right. Okay. Yeah. The, the Splunk Talk Award? Actually, yeah. The Splunk Talk Award. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic uh, tool. Even if you find you have some messed up JSON or, you know, maybe I, I've been in situations where I've gotten, let's say, a whole pile of, let's say, log events and they're in JSON, but somebody's put all of the log events inside another parent object. Right. Yeah. So maybe it's, or maybe it's in an array. So being able to transform that from the, you know, and what I really mean is, let's say you, you had this uh, parent object, which was today's log events, and you had another one for yesterday's log events, and the events are all 
um, child objects inside of each other one. When you index it in Splunk, you you know it it's you'll have a challenge, right? Yeah, and we, so, we we don't like big events. We want lots of small events. Well, and you know we're okay with a big event, but in this case, you actually want each one of those children to be its own event. So, yep. you know, JQ's it w- it would be kind of cool if you could put something like JQ in the Splunk prop parsing pipeline, but Oh, you know, awesome. in this case, to, to well, it'd be awesome if you could put a lot of things in there. But in this case, I was kind of able to ETL the the JSON to just query it, but query down for every child, and then just dump that out to a file. And it's a really handy tool. So you want to know you want to know what we really need, uh, and what we really need is for all of these customers who listen to this podcast to go request features from from people so that people will do what I think we should do, How which is, which, which <laughs> is why this you. podcast Let's exists. So this we is, can this... bitch about stuff that they then make requests for. Yes, exactly. That's just, this Brilliant. is exactly, this is okay. exactly what we're doing. Right. And so we've had in the backlog for a very long time uh, and multiple prototypes built uh, embedded scripting in the indexing pipeline. And so we embedded Lua, but it might be JavaScript or something else, right? But the idea was would be that as the data flows through the pipeline, you can just write a simple little Lua script and do whatever the hell you want with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wouldn't that be pretty badass? So all of these things that you're talking about is exactly what you would be able to do, right? It, like having JQ, I mean, like you could write a little bit of Lua and completely transform the data. Right. Yeah, it would be nice if that was extensible. And, uh, you know, that, that uh, would be nice. So how, how does one uh, request a feature uh, such that it gets the attention that you would desire, Clint? Scream loudly to your sales rep right now. Uh, yeah. Actually, the enhancement requests like uh, that, that process is pretty broken. Um, uh, scream loudly to your to your sales engineer and sales rep about like having to have this. And yes, UDFs for eval would also be done in some sort of JavaScript or Lua type uh uh, environment as well. So just for just for completeness, even though the the process for uh, enhan- requesting an enhancement request, whether it's broken or not, maybe we should say it anyway. Um, yeah, maybe. Just uh, so as Rachel is saying, you you can call into support and open a P4 enhancement request, and and mm-hmm. that it will at least generate a ticket and uh, you know that we could report on later if we like to do that. There, there is some, there is some work ongoing right now. To we're talking about various methods. We may do something like user voice. We may do, I don't know what we're going to do, but okay. But, but the thing you can do right now is complain to your sales rep, or you could uh, open a support ticket uh, and say P four enhancement request. Yeah, someone needs to open up a P four enhancement request to have the P four enhancement request process be process better. fixed. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we want. Yes. We're not going to fix it unless someone requests it. I'm just. Joking. Okay then. All right. Um, Hal, uh, did you show me this? Did you show me um, the, uh, VS? Yeah, Code? Visual Studio. No. Yeah. So if it, it was uh, it was Glenn Block. Showed me this. I I, I freaking awesome editor. I it is an awesome editor. Uh, yeah. I Sublime was the shit, and it is a great editor. Don't get me wrong. But VS Code is I, awesome. I haven't switched full time. I go back and forth. I I have both, um, and I so there's some oddities with VS Code around indenting and some other like just 
Like it's the kind of stuff you'd think they got right, but I think that for the most part, they spend all their time in JavaScript. And so a lot of the other things, other languages like Python don't uh, have some oddities. But they support Windows PowerShell. And with the link that I've just dropped in the chat room, Splunk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there is a uh, syntax highlighter for Splunk configuration files that you could check out. Uh, but VS Code is it's cross-platform. Um, it, it runs on anything. It's actually from Microsoft, you, you know, Visual Studio Code. It kind of says it in the name there. But it, it has no relationship to Visual Studio, the editor, um, at all. Uh, it, it looks and feels more like something like Sublime. Um, it's eminently customizable, and uh, it's got a pretty, pretty slick, kind of simple, uh, slightly minimal um, view. And uh, my favorite thing is that, it, that the integration with, um, with Git is really very useful to me. So if you're editing a file that is being tracked by Git, or if you open a, a whole uh, folder you know, on, on your computer, you open the folder. If that is if the folder happens to be a repo, then you get this view of any files that are changed, and you can um, you you can you know, make commits right in there, and it's just very easy to use. Yeah, it's it's very slick. It's based on Atom. If you used Atom, uh, that's they basically took that, and uh, it's you know the one thing that people are um, upset about is that there aren't tabs in VS Code, and you know what I found because uh, I use Sublime to for a lot of things, I use it like as a text editor, just write down notes and use it to edit Docker files and write scripts and stuff like that. And I have this endless pile of windows with endless open tabs and they, partly because I'm sloppy, they have no context. Like I don't really necessarily know why they're, I mean, I know why they're there, but they're just there. And I almost like the VS code doesn't have tabs. They have this working files idea, which is yeah. it, it forces you to behave differently, but not having more tabs just works for me, but you know, they'll probably add it and then mess it up. But uh, yeah, there's, a, I think there are, I, I want to say I could be wrong. Cause I was talking to Glenn block about this. Um, that there's another Splunk plugin for um, for VS Code. I gotta look. I want to say it was a type ahead or whatever. And yeah, it's got it's got a lot of cool features. Uh, the Git integration is really nice. So it keeps track of like when you open the file, it'll keep track of like what's changed since the last git commit. So you can see every line that's changed like inside the edit. It's got a lot of cool features, yeah. but it all, it also, like I said, it, I hope I, every version I install and I hope that like it, it fixes the minor, like it has lots of features that are awesome and work really well, but the basic text editing sometimes, sometimes uh, falls over in various environments and that annoys me. But the editors are very personal. Um, yeah, but this is something definitely worth checking out if you haven't had the chance. It's uh, Visual I use Studio a Code. Yeah, and if you're not a Windows person, don't get scared away by the fact that it it's made by it's Microsoft and it has VS in it. It's when you download it, you'll be happy. No, it it doesn't feel like a Microsoft product in that way no. at all. Well, they're not the. They're, well, we talked about this the last time too. I mean, they're they're not know, the Hal same Hath, company. Hal, Hal hath frozen over. They're not the same company anymore. Which is great. You know, 
And so, what else? Other big giants. Uh, uh, if everybody didn't notice, we got a little bit of press coverage yesterday uh, on the Google Cloud GCP, platform thing. Right? Yeah. We was, are. That was, that was something that I was. I was a big champion. Now. We're splunking all the clouds. Yes, all, all every, of every one of every one of the clouds except for your cloud and uh, whatever cloud that may be, and in which case we've got options for you there too. Yeah. Clint, uh, do you still have a server on the internet? Do I still? Have... <laughs> I, I don't know um, if I want to answer the home question. directory. I want to get a home what, directory. What is the IP address? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, what is yeah. It, it's uh, I you know what if you IRC uh, in the Splunk channel, I think you can see it. Uh, <laughs> Let's see if I see if I who is myself if it's there. Oh yeah, it's there. So there. <laughs> what is the server on the internet? <laughs> I have a server, and I'm sure it's probably owned. I just don't really care. The only thing I use it for is Tmux and Ursi. So. The go- you got a Gopher on there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the Gopher. Like it's way simpler than than the yeah. web. Yeah. It's uh, the web is too complicated. I I, I use the Gopher. Yeah, <laughs> the Gophers. Oh, that's good. I've, I've been um, trying to be more active on the Twitters too, but uh, I have a hard time confining myself to 140 characters. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a whole different conversation right there. I I don't really use Twitter except for kind of broadcasting when things happen. Conversation is hard. I, I don't really favor that. Yeah, I used to use Twitter a lot um, years ago, and then found out that people are listening. Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, like, I got an argument with Amazon once, and then, little, lo and behold, we were in the middle of a partnership with them. And I don't know. Oh. I got a tap in the shoulder, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, well, Facebook rules. Um, but, uh, I've been, I've been tweeting from time to time lately. I've been doing these little demos on ask, which is cool. So I've, you know, and just tweeting them and some other stuff, but, um, that's good. Yeah, those um, are awesome. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of those. Those are, those are cool. Yeah, they're, they're good, except you can, you can't edit them. So if oh, you, ab- well, you can, but. The way it works, it generates a JSON file. Yay, JSON, right? It's great. But um, it's six to 10,000 lines because well, like, there is a little branch or little child object for every character and the time that the character is spent on the screen. Oh, so if okay. you type in, hello, Clint, how are you? It's, that's 100 lines right there. Yeah. So each frame in the video, the resulting video, I gotcha. Is They're putting a lot of faith in the performance of their JSON parser. Well, it's the one thing that is nice versus the other one, do it live. And the do it live, do it live is cool. Do it live actually lets you record and playback shell commands. So I've seen people use do it live and then pipe it into um, Ask Enema, which is cool because. When I record those video, those little text videos, I, I try not to screw them up. And if I make a typo or have to backspace, I end up restarting the video because it's such a pain to edit it. But if you had it, um, it use like use do it live, which generates the whole pile of your what you typed in your shell, pipe it through, and it'll type it for you. But it's it's a pretty nice feature, and it's copy pasteable, which I like. So if you watch one, I did one on how to resize uh, or recreate your Docker machine if you use Docker Toolbox. You can copy and paste the commands right out of the Ask Enema uh, video, which is cool. So 
what did you just paste there, uh, Clint? JQ Play is that, that the same? That was, as the tool? Yeah, that was the, that, that's a web-based tool for JQ. I, I forgot to paste it earlier. So, like, if you oh, want to cool. play with the syntax of JQ, because the syntax is not simple uh, for the query language, um, you can paste your <laughs> little JSON document in, and you can paste. You can use JQ, and you can play around with it. It'll tell you whether it's good or not. It's pretty nice. Yeah, and then uh, the upper left it says a playground for JQ 1.5, and that's linked, so it'll take you to that dude's actual. I think it's it's on GitHub is where he stores his stuff, but it's. A, and one one last nice. thing that I found yesterday via Panos, who who works for me, is uh, I found this in one of his. Uh, I'm modifying one of his projects, and it, he had hard coded this URL in there. I'm like, oh, what's request bin? That sounds pretty cool. It's from RunScope, which I've never used their product, but uh, the it allows you to put a man in the middle, like you basically just put the back end that you want your HTTP request to go to, and then you put you point everything to that, and you can see all the HTTP requests that flow through. So if you're debugging like webhooks or whatever else, mm-hmm. um, really really cool. So other other cool little things you may want to you, know, you may want to play out, and that's request b dot in. Uh, Pretty cool. Yeah, I have a cool thing. I gotta go, guys. So I saw the rap now. Yeah. All right. So okay. What have we learned today? What have we learned today? Um, We talked about timestamping and and syslogans. We talked about uh, how's new job, Visual Studio Code. Working with uh, JQ. Chipmunk voice, which I'm going to transmogrify <laughs> yours into be a chipmunk voice on the podcast. Audio. Request embedded so, language from your sales rep. Yes, exactly. And then, of course, uh, email splunktalk at splunk.com. We have a Twitter account too. We need some more subscribers, dude. Oh, yeah. Please do. Tell your friends. Oh, please tell your friends. Yeah, or just create like, yeah, no, don't do that. Um, but uh, that way, the URL will be youtube.com slash talk or whatever. Anyways, met- multiple methods get a hold of us on behalf of the chat room. Think and Hal. It's Michael Wild, and uh, have a great week. Happy Splunking. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.